Are you a HubSpot user looking to stay up to date with HubSpot, inbound, and all the information that will make your job easier and help you and your company grow better? Each week, the Spot brings you the HubSpot education, ideas, and tools that you need to maximize your success, make work just a little bit easier, and of course, brighten your day along the way. Listen in as Julie, Doug, Max, and George share their authentic, entertaining, and valuable conversations with the people who really matter. That's right, you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for your HubSpot journey heroes. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spot. Woo! All right, we're back. That's right, ready, set, spot, go, whatever you want to say. I'm super excited because if you've been paying attention, we have not had four squares on the screen in a couple weeks, and this week we do. That's right, we have all four of us. I'm sitting here looking at this beautiful recording happening of the spot. We've got Julie in the top left-hand corner, Max in the top right-hand corner, and Doug and I are next to each other, as we should be, because guess what? I want to talk about inbound 2020 real quick before we dive into the good stuff there is the agenda that you can go and start to create uh, we've been doing inbound speaks videos that you can go and watch to help you build your agenda and and the session of all sessions that everybody should attend at inbound because it's digital and you can there are no limited seats and there's no social uh, separation you can all sit real close together virtually Inbound versus outbound, Doug versus George. I mean, it's going to be a smackdown. But I will say, let's open this up. Julie, Max, Doug, are you guys excited? Are you starting to look at the the agenda? Talk to me about your inbound 2020 travels thus far. Well, we're 17 days out, so that's really exciting. Um, 17 and a half days, according to inbound.com. I think the, the best thing for me about getting hyped for inbound George was watching your interview through Sprocket Talk where we got some insight into how everything is going to go down, how it's going to work, how networking is going to happen. So that was a really good way for me to get my inbound hat on, so to speak. And I've got my real life hat on today too. Uh, but welcome to um, the hat club again. I'm happy to be here on the hat club. Hopefully we have um, some more ventilation versus last time. That's really what I'm hoping for. Um, but I'm stoked. I've been mostly looking through some of like the spot loads, spot lights and keynotes and featured speakers and it looks like for a virtual event we've got some really cool stuff coming yeah i mean for me i'm i'm super excited to see van jones speak i'm a, I'm a big van jones fan um but i think the other thing too is like my past experiences at inbound it's it's tough because you know i was there talking to customers all the time going to like the big keynotes also like working during the day on calls with customers like all these like different things that kind of stopped me from fully experiencing it like everybody else. So I'm, I'm just super excited that I'll actually be able to attend all the sessions that I want to attend that I wasn't able to attend in the past. And uh, you know, kind of like how Julie was saying, it's a lot more accessible for everyone. Hey, it's going to be a lot more accessible for me than it's been in the past. So I'm, I'm super pumped to really be able to experience all it has to offer. Me too, Max. This is the first inbound I'm not working in a few years. And, and I've been lifting logs running the uh philadelphia museum steps i'm i haven't had a chance to even think about it man i'm getting ready for the debate yeah the debate the great debate of inbound 2020 inbound may never be the same i'm going i'm going back to my uh my college debate team days i'm resolving this and um what other things you do in debate i would I actually was on the debate team. But. Is, there, yeah. is, there, is there any insight uh, you both can give on how this thing is going to be structured? Is it going to be like 
a series of questions, a series of topics, or is it just inbound versus outbound go? I'm, I'm planning on modeling it after uh, point counterpoint from, um, from Saturday night live. Mm. I, I'll play Dan Aykroyd and George will be Jane Curtin. Mm. I'm just uh, planning on a butt whooping and giving one out. <laughs> just saying, just saying that's where we're going with this. So, all right. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get into the good stuff with the section that we call mm, that hit the spot. Now, Max, you brought an article to us. And um, maybe explain why you brought this article, what you liked about this article. I can tell you that this people, this people is about to be a fun conversation. So, Max, go ahead and start us off. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So um, I know today, later on today, we're talking about um, like pipeline management and like how to build a pipeline, things like that. So I thought this this one was would be pretty relevant to what we're going to be talking about. Um, so this is an article I found on Sales Hacker. Um, it's basically six do's and don'ts of post-pandemic sales pipeline management. It, this was an interesting read for me because my my sales background, I think, is a lot of it's a lot. It's, it's a little weirder than the more traditional sales background because I didn't have a quota. I had like ridiculous metrics I had to hit. It was in a retail environment, but it was selling B2B. It was, it was, it was kind of strange, right? So I don't have a lot of the same sales experience that I think a lot of other folks do. So this is, this is always like kind of new territory for me because whenever I would work with like sales folks, it'd be more of the, you know, setting up the technical backend and, and the HubSpot like software side of things versus like the strategy. This basically, or this article kind of gives like a couple little tips on like how to start thinking about things a little bit differently during the pandemic, right? So it talks about things like updating your messaging to match like the tone of, of you know, the current world that we live in, uh, not ignoring the power of language and words. Don't like just stop marketing to save some money because that can be very detrimental for you in the future. Thinking about what folks are actually searching for now that we're living in a very different world than we were before. So a lot of those keywords when you're starting to think about search engine optimization may be different, right? Um, Because people are searching for things and solving through goals and challenges that they have in a very different context than they were before. Maybe not everybody, but there's a lot of people that are that are impacted by this. Um, but also like the very last one, uh, don't submit to burnout, um, I think was like a really, you know, good one to throw in there. I've had to deal with this a lot being a, a trainer at HubSpot. And, you know, this is sort of the advice that I've tried to give to a lot of different companies that have been trying to figure out how to take their onboarding from in-house in the classroom to totally virtually facilitated online. And I think this also applies to kind of any role that you're in is that like today's work from home employees are not the work from home employees that you might be used to in the past, right? Not only are they working from home, they're, they're caregiving at home, they're teaching at home, they're, you know, caring for their kids all the time. The kids aren't at school. So to just not be so hard uh, on your team in this, you know, difficult place that we're living in. The reason I brought this article up is not so much to like debate any of like the ideas in the article. And 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 I think everyone's totally welcome to do that. But I'm super curious to hear from all of you who, you know, have been continuing to advise your your customers and build strategies and, you know, work on sales, marketing, messaging, all that kind of stuff. Like, how has like the strategies that you've helped your customers employ or how's how's the the overall kind of themes of of how people should be approaching sales and marketing sort of changed you know for you and and how have you changed your approach working with customers 
uh, like during this time. Um, that's something I'm super curious to talk about, but obviously anyone who wants to jump in and talk about this article. So I think some of the things in this article are in line with some of the things we've done with clients right now. Um, so what I found lacking in this article was the specifics of how to do these things and what you should be doing. It's very general. Um, so it was super general. It also didn't deliver on the title. Um, I thought the title was really compelling. And I don't know if the content really fit the title because it didn't feel like pipeline management in the article itself. It felt like mm -hmm. kind of general like marketing stuff to do. Um, yeah. But if we're thinking about application of this advice, regardless of those factors, um, one of the things that was very important to us early on, and if someone hasn't done this yet or recently, please do this, is this idea of update your messaging. And it's not update your messaging, but it's know what you're saying. So we had to look at our clients, for example, who are running Facebook ads um, and Instagram ads and even some Google ads and say, what do these ads say? What is our message in these campaigns that are live and running? And are they relevant? Because if you have a Google post that's maybe from two years ago, it's performing really well and the messaging isn't spot on for 2020, that's kind of okay. And maybe we'll update it or make a couple tweaks, but that's different than if I'm actively running an ad campaign that's like, get together with family this summer. Maybe I want to back off that message a little bit. Maybe I need to make a little tweak or change there. So that's one thing I was happy to see, but doing like that ads audit or that messaging audit of what you're putting out into the world, especially as current events change and new things pop up, we should all be doing all the time. Um, the other thing I liked as a reminder here is SEO. And one of the things I have encouraged clients to do and that I've encouraged my team to do is not just check performance on your own website and not just check monthly averages of keyword performance and things like that, but also take that data that you have and map it with Google Trends. So I have a client who's a vegetable distributor. They grow and distribute some vegetables and they saw a huge spike in traffic from um, preserving and freezing vegetables, mm. right? Terms around that. And they saw this traffic surge in March. So we said, this is great. Like you've seen a rank improvement here. The SERP now has a featured snippet. We're seeing more traffic come through there. We see in Google Search Console, like you have a nice click-through rate on these terms, but we need to keep an eye on Google Trends in addition to all of this keyword stuff, because we don't know how long this is going to last. And we should not assume that the traffic you're seeing today will be here tomorrow. So there's always kind of, you have to layer multiple data sources right now. Um, mm -hmm. And that's an important thing to keep in mind as well. Yeah. I got to be well, honest I, with I, you. I, I got to be honest with you, Doug. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here. This, uh, this article for me was, uh, I, I'm still, you know, oh my gosh, I'm trying to figure out if I'm an a-hole or not. The jury is still out. The jury is still out because as I read this, I was like getting super frustrated. Um, and I, I agree with what Julie said. Absolutely. One of the things that we did at Impulse Creative was it's about messaging and it's about like saying the things that you need to say. But there's this little ditty in here. There's this, actually there's a couple of little ditties again. Listen, I may be an a-hole. I don't know. But there's this part where it says, remember, people are seeking information. They want to feel safe. Everything, everything, everything shared needs to be positioned to acknowledge everyone's uncertainty. Everything? Mm. Not, really? 
Like, no, no, can't can't we just like have a real normal conversation like we would at any other given point in time? Like, so I don't know, I don't. So I battled with that, and then there's this there's this section down here where it talks about um wor- the words we use, right? And, and trust me, I get it, I I I get I get it, but it says, for example, words like killer, phrases like to die for, uh, you know, they're insensitive. Are are they like maybe like depending on what your brand or business is like if you've, if you're in the medical yeah. space and you're using terms like killer and to die for maybe but but if you're like doing food or content around, I I don't I don't it was very much like and I don't know if the world we live in is like. And if you don't know, if you're listening to this, you have no clue what me hitting my hand is. But if you were to watch the episode, you would probably understand what I'm trying to communicate here. Like there's 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 just this part of this. I I don't think I think it's wise for brands to be mindful of the overall context of the world that their message is appearing in. And listen, we have all had different experiences during this pandemic. I live in New Jersey um, where we have huge population density, huge volume of sickness, huge like influx and overflow in hospitals. And like that message of like, well, if you get sick, there might not be a bed for you. That was reality here. Right. And I understand that wasn't reality everywhere in the country, but yeah, if I had been seeing a lot of brands messaging in March, April, May, and even now with to die for killer, this, um, like all of those things, I probably would have had some reaction to that, that it, it just would have left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I think it's it's really interesting too because while this is something that we're all going through, everyone's experiencing I think a little bit differently, right? Right. Right. Um, and the jury's out. I think we'd all be better off if we just never used those words anyways. I, I think they're silly. I think before the pandemic they were stupid and ridiculous. Um I know on the sales world I get I I I get viscerally angry with with language that that equates uh, sales to war. That that you know, we talk about battle cars. We talk about defeating. Hunting. And then we say, I don't understand why there's. A, I don't understand why there's an adversarial relationship. I think, you know, killer to die for. I mean, they're all overstated, lazy words that, you know, that, that are filled with hyperbole. So I mean, I I would say that you know, hey, let's. I vote. Let's just stop using them, yeah. whether we're in a pandemic period or not. Yeah, that's how I feel whenever I see whenever I see someone on LinkedIn say happy hunting and they're saying it in like a sales context. I'm just like, these aren't animals that you're killing. These are people that you're trying to help that have problems. Mm. So it that I mean that that for me is just one that kind of bothers me sometimes. Now so, see, so I think this article is an SEO article, personally. Yeah. Do right. do explain. And, and and here's the main thing that yeah, well, you know, it it Six do's and don'ts of post-pandemic sales pipeline management. Well, again, I agree with what Julie said. My first thought was I didn't see anything about pipeline management in there um, post-pandemic. I mean, you know, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I can see where and why, um, and I don't mean to insult the author, I apologize, but it was, you know, six platitudes of, which gets to, okay. I mean, I thought it was interesting because they said, don't don't submit to burnout, but that, that was the don't. The do before that was double your effort. Um, so now I'm I'm a little bit conflicted. I don't know which one I'm supposed to do. Um, which again, kind of gets to like, we're, we're, we're oftentimes filling space. Here's what I, the other thing that I think is a, that is a bigger issue. You know, we go, we go through good cycles and bad cycles. We're in a bad cycle right now, but fundamentally that's not different per se in terms of what, 
where we go strategically. So like, it's really, um, it's great for attention to say the sky is falling. It's great for attention to say everything is changing. You know, this whole thing of virtual, like there's, I think three books out now called virtual selling. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I've been virtually selling for, for decades. And, and the biggest thing I can tell you about virtual selling is it's the same principles. I, I, I think, I think we would be, we would all be better off right now if we spent more time focused on what hasn't changed than, than what has. Um, and, but, but, you know, that doesn't get you attention. It gets and, you better outcomes, but it doesn't bring attention. And see that maybe that's where I was going with like my line of thinking is like, there's so much that is the same. Why is everything have to be about like what not to do anymore? Like one of the other pieces of this article, which I, I was like, and again, I, I think that everybody should read the article, the link's will be into both articles that we're discussing uh, this week will be in the show notes. But there's this one part where, and I remember everybody talking about this of like, well, should we stop marketing? Should we continue marketing? And like one of the parts of this article does talk about that. And it's like about slowing down or moving forward. And we saw firsthand, some people hit like screeching halt breaks. Some people kept chugging through. But as I was reading this article and I was kind of thinking of like life lessons that I've learned and things that I've paid attention to, this this uh, pandemic, this thing that we've all been kind of going through and this should we continue to market or not, I, I for some reason went to this correlation of a book that I read called The Snowball. And The Snowball is the biography of Warren Buffett. And one of the little tidbits that I took away from that uh, biography was that Warren made most of his money when the rest of the world was down. Because he would invest when things were down and then when it would come back, it would like it would double or amplify uh, what was going on. And so I think about like where we're at now, is it the time and Doug, even this article reference and you said don't burn out but double down is now actually the time to double down versus like cutting back. Anyway, there's a whole conversation there. I don't know what you guys think of that. I'll, I'll share this, you know, to, to, to get more technically specific. The decisions that Warren Buffett made in down periods is what led to him making the vast majority of his money. By the way, that's the definition of sell low. Everyone forgets, I mean, I'm sorry, buy low. Everyone forgets buy low means you're buying when everyone else is selling. Um, in business as a, as a rule, frankly, in any um, dynamic environment, the, the moves are made in, in turbulent times. If you watch the Tour de France, the moves aren't made on flat ground. The moves aren't made on on downhills. The the competition separates in the mountains, right? So it's in the difficult times that the decisions that you make um, make a difference, right? When you've got a huge tailwind, you don't have. Not only do you not have to be smart to to be successful, you in many ways are rewarded for for short term stupid thinking because when times are really good, it rewards you know, short term is overly um, rewarded. Okay. And, and it's hard to hurt yourself, if you will. It's hard to make a bad decision when times are really, really good. When times are bad, when there's a lot of confusion, when there's turbulence, when there's ambiguity, that's when, you know, the difference gets made. And, it, you know, it connects to one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes, which is, you know, you never know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think one of the things we all have to keep in mind is that to do this 
right? Whether you're making an uphill move in the Tour de France or you are um, making a, a double down effort in marketing, right? Um, you have to have gas in the tank, right? You have to have energy and resources yourself to do those things. So if you've burnt out in your cycling race and you have no gas in the tank, you can't make that smart move. If you have no money, you cannot buy low because you're trying to pay your rent. So there's a layer here of, you know, yeah, would it be great if we could all just double down on marketing and sell more right now? Sure. Is time a resource that we all have a limited amount of, but a controllable amount of? Yes. But if there are other factors, like I have a client who um, started her maternity leave right around the start of the pandemic. They sell primarily to food service. And our main point of contact became someone who also has many other roles within the organization. They can't double down on their marketing right now. We are doing as much as possible to be very smart about how we use their budget to get them the maximum output for what they have and support whatever shifts and pivots they need to make. But they're certainly not doubling down. They cut their budget and we're trying to do pretty much do the same volume with less. Again, you have to have gas in the tank to do more. Mm. You know, there, there's an old phrase that says half of success is showing up. And, and I think people misunderstand that to mean that you just show up. What, what it really means is half of success is being able to be there when the luck, when the, you know, when the tailwind kicks in. So that, that connects to um, gas in the tank. You got to, you know, so like job number one in an infinite game of business is survive, be there. Um, which is which, which connects to that. So double down means something different to me, and and I realized as you were talking what what you were getting at. Double and and, and by the way, d- doubling down comes from gambling. Um, it's a blackjack term, and and you double down in 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 very specific situations. You're not doubling your bet. You're not doubling your exposure. You're you're playing to specific odds. You're cutting. And you're increasing. So, I mean, the main thing that I would say on this and everything else is like, I read this and and for all the stuff that was good in the article, my question is, how is that different? You should be looking at your language. You should be thinking about X. You should be cutting and doubling down, cutting and doubling down. So in some ways, what I'm hearing your, your client example, I would say like doubling down does not preclude cutting. Um, the, the the mistake that people make with cutting is they treat it like peanut butter. Like we hit a hard time and we do peanut butter cuts. What are peanut butter cuts? They're smooth cuts. We're cutting 20% across the board, right? That That's where you get yourself in, in, into trouble. What you should always be thinking about, I mean, the whole idea of, of hypothesis-driven growth of tests and experiments is you're you're putting more resource allocation towards those things that are showing positive signs you're taking from. I do think that one of the major problems in business, and actually the thing that really hit me most negatively about that blog post was it felt very, very bro culture, very, very hustle culture. Um, Hey, get out there and hustle. um, As opposed to Julie, what you're saying, which is take a look at your situation, take a look at your customer. You know, your job is allocate those resources. And what I would say to somebody, especially in a bad time is, you should cut the shit out of things so that you can allocate the resources to key areas that will be the difference between are you here on the other side or not. 
And I think the biggest mistake they make is because it's scary, they, you know, when, when we're afraid, we spread our bets instead of focusing it. Man, good stuff. Good stuff. And it's funny because this whole episode is about sales, uh, even though it hasn't been. It's about pipelines. At least that's the direction we were trying to go into. And I want to get into our next section because, well, first of all, this is, Doug, an article that you wrote. Um, and so let's get into the section that is in the spotlight. So it has to we're- be good. It has to be good. Actually, it is really good. And there are some parts that I picked out of there that I want to talk about eventually. But Doug, why don't you – well, first of all, let me give some backstory. As we were creating the outline for this, I uh, put in – I wanted to talk about building your sales pipeline. Why do I want to talk about building your sales pipeline? Because it's one of the major problems that the Sprocket Talk community has lifted up through this poll and survey that we display through content that people are uh, ingesting. And so I'm like, hey, it's it's a popular topic. We need to talk about it. And there was this like – esoterical like almost like messaging back and forth between Doug and I of like well this and that and so then Doug landed on this article and here's the thing it's funny because Doug as I read the article that Max put in and as I read your article there's this marketing Hey, maybe I'm a dummy. I'll throw jury still out, people. I may be an a-hole. I may be a dummy. I don't know. Juries are out. I was like, oh my gosh, like a lot of people that I've talked to, when I say building a sales pipeline, they actually might mean just their sales process. And there was this like light bulb moment of like a process and a pipeline are two distinctly different things. At least now I think so. So Doug, that's almost where I want you to start is like this whole idea of like pipeline versus process and how those may intertwine together and then bring us into this article of like why this and why people should uh, be checking it out. Well, so I I think you've got, um, I'll add another word for you just to add to the confusion. You've got pipeline process and methodology, what's your sales method. Um, And then then you have, you know, we could throw in funnel on top of that. And one of the things I get really frustrated about is I hear this term sales funnel. I don't know what the difference between a sales funnel and a marketing funnel is. I'm I'm being somewhat um, facetious here. One of the rules that I've always operated by is if you're going to have a funnel, you can only have one funnel. You know, the idea that they're two separate distinct things is is, is a large part of of the problem. Um, I I think all of the terms are bad because, you know, funnel has... um, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of aspects about a funnel for the metaphor that, that don't apply to how things actually work. We talked about that in a previous episode, you know, pipeline has this idea of, of evenness and, 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 and spread that comes through. So, so typically, at least, you know, my experience, when someone talks about sales pipeline, they tend to be talking about the, the, the management overview of the status of defined sales opportunities distributed through, you know, from, from, from beginning to end. Um, and you know, so, so, so it, it, pipeline management is more a means of, of management and monitoring. The problem with that is that the vast, vast, vast majority of, of pipelines that then connects to processes and things like that um, is they're very, um, they're very linear process driven, um, which means they're also very, very internally focused. So they, they really are about a series of activities being completed. Um, as opposed to 
are we making a progression so that you know like a, a pipeline a pipeline is a key component of a structure for go to market and structure is the invisible hand that guides behavior what your structure is speak so loudly i can't hear what you're saying i can't see what you're doing um and so when you say qualify demo uh, overcome objections. Like I, I've seen many pipelines that have overcome objections. Well, if you, in your pipeline, you have overcome objections, you're telling everybody you should be getting object, like get objections, right? As, as opposed to what a good pipeline is, is it's a roadmap, right? It's a dynamic, you know, it, 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 it's managed in a dynamic setting. Um, but it is, it is a roadmap. It is a series of waypoints, um, connected to milestones that are directly connected to the causation of, of the result that you're looking for. And so one reason why people struggle designing their pipeline is because they don't want to do the thinking before, you know, that goes into designing a pipeline. Once you do the thinking, designing the pipeline is actually really easy. Um, but when you haven't done the thinking, you're, you're chasing down symptoms and, and you're, you're actually adding to the, the 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 conflict that exists between buyer viewpoint and seller. Um, I was gonna say what what I really liked was the idea of highlighting this this idea of sales process versus sales pipeline. Um, I as I was reading through, I said uh, I was thinking to myself as I was reading. Yeah, a lot of people really are thinking that what is really a sales process is their pipeline, and then it was like the next paragraph. So I had that great same page we're on it moment. And that's always fun to have when you're reading through something. I guess if I were thinking about this and having you on this call in this podcast right now, how can someone determine if what they're calling their sales pipeline is really their sales process? What should they be looking for to course correct? So so just so I understand and can answer the question better, it, from your perspective, you're not like, what's the difference for you in your head, the difference between process and pipeline? Just so to me, the process is a little bit more micro. It's all these little steps you're taking based on probably where someone is in your pipeline, but based on the buyer, oh, this person has asked about X and now we need to Y, right? That's not necessarily pipeline. That's really process. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like the type of thing that you're going to have a crazy flow chart about or something like that, or maybe a not so crazy flow chart would be better, but um, pipeline is really, to me, kind of an almost almost too broad representation of where someone is on your terms versus where they are on your on their terms, and is almost more of a tool of measurement than a tool of communicating with the process. It's so if I were going to sail from Annapolis, Maryland, to um, Barcelona, Spain, I would not start in Annapolis and go to Barcelona and just say, Hey, let's go to Barcelona. I would, I would map out waypoints. Now, if, if the seas were calm and, and the winds were predictable, my waypoints would be spread further and further apart. If I knew that we're in hurricane season or there's all kinds of other craziness that are happening. And of course the nature of weather with a highly complex system, but if things are, 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 less predictable or, or more variant, I'm going to, my waypoints are going to get smaller and smaller. So, so to some degree, um, 
you know, the level of complexity and the level of unpredictability will tell you how big your waypoints need to be. Those waypoints that I map from Annapolis to Barcelona, that is my pipeline. How I get from waypoint to waypoint, solving for the whole, managing my resources, the what and the how, that's my process, right? So the pipeline is the map. The process is, is the how and the why. I, I would say that the map have far less change on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. Your, your process is going to have a little bit degree more because things are changing. Your methodology is going to change you know, uh, you know, even more frequently as you begin to move down and, and the world changes and, 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 and things along those lines. So like part of the problem for me in answering that question is pipeline and process are so intertwined and interdependent that like, so here, here's, here's what I think we forget. We keep thinking of sales as this other thing. We keep thinking of buying as this special thing and all buying is, is a decision with risk, right? And, and so we approach decision with risks, whether, whether we're buying something or doing something, we, we approach, like it's the same mental process. Now, when you bring, begin to bring in B2B and things like that, what you're adding is complexity because you're bringing in other people who have different worldviews, different perspectives of risk, different perspectives of value. But it's still, in the end, you're, you're mapping a decision process. Um, and, and, and so your pipeline, again, I would say is the mapping of the, the, the process and the components that, that get you from, from beginning to end with... Now, the thing that's different about sailing from from Annapolis to to Barcelona is I can't get to the sixth waypoint without passing the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. But but in sales, um, especially today with how, you know, with the whole zero moment and truth and everything else, these things happen um, in in all kinds of of, of pathways. And this is where exit criteria is is a crucial component to what I would say, to, to what I would call pipeline management. And that is for each of the waypoints, you identify what are the critical objective elements that need to be met to say that you're through a specific waypoint. Now, the mistake that most people make, and as a result, most salespeople make, is we tend to look at the impulse that is most indicative of you being the closest to the outcome that we want. So you ask me about price, you ask me for a proposal, you ask me for any number of things, which is you know, very common. I hear, oh, you must be very, very close to making a decision. Oh, they're ready to buy because that is certainly a late waypoint. The way we approach it is you are at the pipeline stage. You're the earliest pipeline stage where all exit criteria haven't been met. So we might have a pricing conversation or a what's the price conversation, but because we haven't met the criteria of the first waypoint, I know we're still in stage one. And so we're managing. So now that's where the process comes in. What's the pricing conversation you have at stage one in your pipeline? It's a different pricing conversation than stage six in your pipeline. Right. But, but again, what's happening is we're mapping that this sounds complicated, but it's actually not because it's all driven by what's the context of you and the person that you're talking to. Like if you were going to talk to your friend, you would have no problem making the determinations about like, let's say you just bought a new car and your friend said, you know, how much, Hey, I was thinking about getting a new car. How much is that? You know, they're not at the stage where they're about to make that, 
that final buying decision. So you're going to go into, well, you know, you've got to take a look at the add-on package. A. You're going to kind of get, well, you know, it, it, it came out to X or, you know, you're, you're going to give some, some kind of range and then you're going to cut it by $10,000 so that you, so that your friend thinks that you got a really super deal while you're smart. But so, so again, that, 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 that's how we, that's how we approach it. Again, we, you, what's, what's the decision being made? What are the components of the decision? What are the key points at each component to let us know that that's been covered? The reason that decision reluctance is so significant today, and the reason that the ultimate buy decision is so unpredictable, almost always it's because some criteria got skipped. And that's why we get afraid to make decisions. But I don't think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. I'm sure I'll say this again. We need to understand that the word decide and the word homicide both have the same Latin root. They both mean the same thing. Decide and homicide mean to kill. When you decide, you are killing your other options, right? And so it is a, it is a viscerally, biochemically difficult thing for people to do. We do not like to decide. As a matter of fact, they've hooked people up to, to brain um, MRIs. And the energy used to decide, the physical energy used to make a decision is more than if you're in a, you know, you're maxing out um, reps, weightlifting. With, you just blew my mind, dog. dog. Yeah. So, so I'll get to that here in a second, Max. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to unpack your blown mind, uh, but I know we're coming close to our time as well. Listen, um, viewers, listeners, the link's going to be in the show notes. There's a couple things that I want to hit real quick. Um, it's almost like the George Cliff notes, if you will, of this article that um, goes into what Doug has been talking about here. Uh, the purpose of documenting and tracking a pipeline is threefold, and I'm going to shorten these. Create order and focus where there was chaos. Provide insight and enable accurate forecasting, right? You've got to dive into that section. This right here, though, this right here. Uh, without a carefully constructed system, pipeline management often becomes about salespeople placating managers, managers attempting to show they're on top of things to senior executives, and senior executives trying to pump up their perceived performance with their boards. If that sounds like your business, by the way, you might want to read this article. I'm just saying when I got to that point. And then here, here, right here is where I'm going to end it, and then I'm going to start asking a couple questions. But if you've designed your customer acquisition or sales process to close every sale, you'll be wasting time on clients who should be eliminated early on, which in turn means you won't be prioritizing potential large accounts, which are a good fit. Now, with that said, people, you need to dive into that article. You need to read it. But Max, you said your mind was blown. Um, here's what I would like to do. Uh, on the end of this episode, and this is for Max, this is for Julie, this is for Doug, this is probably for myself as well. What's one thing that you heard somebody say on this episode that was like a moment for you? Oh, the the, the decide and homicide, uh, like when you're making a decision, you're you're killing the other option that you had. That was like that that was super eye opening for me. So I, I kind of had like a a moment there when you were saying that that was super insightful love that oh we got to talk about some latin roots math yeah i don't know oh, my wife's know an english everyone... teacher so i get i get i get the lessons every good <laughs> i was nearly a classics major in college nearly yeah. yeah but i decided i didn't want to take any more latin but it's fascinating to look at how things come through in translation and then also all of those roots all the bits and bobs yeah. of latin and english i'll say so, Julie, what did you hear in this episode that you're like, hmm? 
Hmm. Um, you know, I think the thing that I always hear when we all get together is approach content with a layer of skepticism. My work here uh, is and done. I think that is always valuable to keep in mind. Not everything you read is right. Not everything you read twice is right. And you can encounter a piece of content, agree with it, test it for yourself and find that it does not work for you. And that is okay. Doug, was there something you heard on this episode that made you stop and think? So, so I, I think it's more all of it coming together with, with what um, we were just talking about is the thing that we should be pursuing as, as growth executives, whatever the role that we're in is, is how do we improve decision criteria? Every, every act we take is, is the result of a decision, which is driven by some measurement in our head of forecasting. And, and the people who win ultimately are the ones who improve the quality of their decision most consistently. And, and that means skepticism, staying open to things, looking for, for what changes, looking for what's staying the same. How do we make better decisions? And at the so, micro level, we think of decisions as big. I'm, I'm really talking – it's those micro decisions I think that ultimately have a bigger impact than, than the big decisions. Yeah, for me, it was actually when Julie stopped me when I was talking about language and started to talk about how not every situation is the same for each individual. And from a country level or a state level or a city level or neighborhood level, we might all be dealing with things in a different way and to have an open mind to how those other people are feeling or doing or dealing with the things that are being said. So that for me was kind of the stopping moment. You know, if you want to carry on this conversation, make sure you're hitting us up on the socials. Uh, you can connect with Julie at Real Julie D on Twitter's at Doug Davidoff on the Twitter's Max Jacob Cohen. God, I love saying that every single time on the Twitters. And of course, I'm at George B. Thomas. Make sure you give us a raving review, a five stars or whatever on your favorite podcast app. But more than that, use hashtag the spot podcast or hashtag Sprocket Talk to let us know what you love about the episodes, what you'd like to learn next. And while you're doing all of that, and of course, getting your inbound 2020 agenda together and you know, signing up to see the uh, ultimate matchup of inbound versus outbound. We'll be here waiting for you. Ah, Rocky. That's it. And we'll see you in the next episode.